please be advised, this episode may include depictions of murder, sexual content, and foul language that is not suitable for children. Parental discretion is advised. Hi, welcome back to Wickedness. I'm Matt. And I'm Lenny. And we decided to keep this Christmas spirit going on for the next couple of weeks and what is more festive than following some Christmas traditions. So we've been having some hot spiced butter rum, or at least my wife has, because I don't really enjoy that too much. I like it's my... so good. What do I like? Uh, eggnog? Eggnog with some with whiskey. With some whiskey. Heck yeah. yeah. I mean, which is good too, but the hot spiced butter rum was really good and you guys just disappointed me. I just, it was too sweet and I like sweet stuff. It oh, and spice, that spice, the it way that... It wasn't sweet. It's not sweet. sweet spice. I didn't, I don't well, know. whatever. I love it. Was it my, my go-to for sure? <laughs> but wine is. We drink wine. We drink beer. Hanging out on the evenings, just enjoying each other. We have to wrap a lot of gifts and finish up some odds and ends shoppings to get it all done, though. So there's a few things that we need left. Yeah. I mean, some years you're either on it. Some years you wait till last minute. This year, we're probably about three quarters, Yeah, I would yeah. say. Well... Actually, I think we're a little more than that. I think we're just down to the like the last family members, mm-hmm. the the last like even the ones we're gonna see last two yeah, yeah. for the most part. Which so, I don't know. I, I yeah, I, it's not. I don't think we have. But much. we're yeah, we're, we're pretty close. Done. And we also have to prepare for a little trip we're taking uh, for the last week of December. We're renting a condo on the beach in Gulf Shores, Alabama, and heading down there to spend that week with family. And bring in the new year. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the new year, we're probably all ready to bring in, aren't oh, we? Oh, gosh, yes. I'm really praying that 2021 will be so much better than 2020. I can't wait to say go- goodbye to this year. Um, Matt and I were talking about this past year. It really hasn't been that bad overall. I mean, yes, COVID and stuff like that. 2020 has sucked. And it has rained down craziness like murder hornets and shit. But <laughs> um, in in the overall picture of 2020 for us you know Matt retired and got to move back home and we had been living apart for like two years our granddaughters moved here followed us here which is really cool because we want to be close to our grandkids you know we just spent more time with family or we've gotten to since moving here vehicle we got a couple motorcycles yeah yeah I mean we've not that we need all that stuff but hey We've been throwing away money like we've got it. Yep. It's been fun. It's been fun, and it's fine. We we also joined a new church group and and got to know some people that way, which is really important to us. Just been we've been blessed in a lot of different ways, even though there's a global pandemic going on and lockdowns and new mandates like every single day and practical hostile takeovers everywhere you look. You know something crazy is always happening in the world, but. We've been doing okay. We've been, I have not got too many complaints. No. A few, but not that many overall. So, But definitely thinking about the people that have had it tough through all this, for sure. Keeping them in my thoughts and prayers and hoping that things get better. Yeah. Hoping that this COVID crap just kicks rocks and we can all just move on with normal life soon. For sure. People can get back to work. Whoever lost their jobs, small businesses won't be going under and yeah, support your mom and pops, your local yes, small businesses. Get out, there. get out there. That's great time for Christmas for them. That's where their some of that lifeblood is too yeah. for them. Is 
is getting out there and, and you can find, I like, I like those kind of places cause you find unique stuff. Yep. Yep. But not just that, but even like the small restaurant chain, they're not like big, major. Yeah. Like go order your DoorDash or call them up and order from them and pick it up curbside or whatever. A lot of them are, are offering that just like everyone else. Like same go service. and frequent them and keep, keep some families fed and give some kids some Christmas gifts because that's what you're doing yep. by supporting those small businesses. So in all of our holiday fun, though, we decided that we, what could be more fun or more festive and fun than 12 Days to Christmas Murders, a countdown of 12 murders that happened before Christmas. And we're going to do it in two parts. So uh, have six murder stories per episode. And this is part one. Welcome to it. All right. Here's let's our get first going. six murder <laughs> yeah. uh, murders. And the 12 murders. If that doesn't put you in the Christmas spirit, I don't know what, what, what? would. <laughs> murder number one. Or on the first day of Christmas, the murder that was brought to me. <laughs> All right. So the Sodder family murders. On Christmas Eve in 1945, like right close to the end of World War II, it sounds like, mm-hmm. a fire raged through the Sodder family home. The family consisted of the husband, wife, and nine children. Wow. Well, they actually, I love this story, actually, um, and I've heard it on several other mm-hmm. podcasts, and we will cover it in more depth. Okay. Than, but this is just more of a, this is, well, yeah, this is a quick yeah, snippet. Yep, yep. It. All of these are just mm-hmm. quick snippets. There's, like, in all the ones I've picked, we're going to go into depth in a whole episode for it at some other time in, in the future. But anyway. Okay, so you're, t- you're doing a teaser right now? Totally am, yeah. I like you that. You picked up on that, huh? <laughs> okay, so, but anyway, this one. They actually had like 10 kids, but nine of them at home. One was in the army in a way. Okay. Like, yeah. So just in case people are familiar with the story, they know that we And then know. I was talking about World War II, and then by coincidence, they got one. Did that one survive? Um, yes, I believe so. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good deal. Okay, keep going. <laughs> the husband and wife and four of the solder children survived the fire, but five of the children were mysteriously never found, but were said to have perished in the fire. This is a true mystery. In a small town in Fayetteville, West Virginia, rumors played more of a role in this case than actual facts did. The fire had broken out around 1 a.m., and George and Jenny Sauter escaped with four of the nine sleeping children. George had broken a window out, cutting his arm in the process in an effort to get back inside the home to save the kids. He wasn't able to see anything. Through the smoke and the fire that was ripping through the downstairs part of the home, the living room, kitchen, office and his and Jenny's bedroom, uh, he was frantically trying to remember what he could, and he inventoried his children, taking note of who hadn't made it out of the fire. He noted the missing five children were Maurice, Martha, Louis, Jenny, and Betty, and he imagined them cowering in fear in two separate upstairs bedrooms and being trapped by a raging fire that engulfed the staircase that led to uh, safety. And then running back outside... He hoped to reach through an outside upstairs window, but a ladder that he kept stacked beside the house was mysteriously missing. And I do remember this story. Yeah, I've heard it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then he thought he could drive one of his two coal trucks up beside the house to reach the windows. And even though they both had worked well uh, the day before, neither would start all of a sudden, which is which is wild. Crazy, right? Yeah. He then tried to use a rain barrel to combat the flames, but the water was frozen, so he couldn't get to the children. Their older daughter, Marion, ran to a neighbor's house to call the fire department, but they couldn't reach the operator. The neighbor also tried to call with no luck reaching the operator, which is wild. Mm -hmm. 
Then he drove into town and found the fire chief had to activate a phone tree system to contact through uh, enough firefighters uh, to come put out this blaze. The fire department was only 2.5 miles away, but the fire trucks didn't show up until 8 a.m. that morning. So from 1 a.m. when the fire started to 8 a.m. Yeah. Like, really? Yeah. The house was burnt to the ground. And by that time, the house had been reduced to ashes. George and Jenny assumed their children were dead, but a search of the rubble on that Christmas morning recovered nothing. The fire chief suggested that the fire had cremated the bodies, uh, but house fires aren't typically hot enough to burn bodies like this. The police chief determined that the fire to have begun uh, due to faulty wiring. The coroner issued death certificates, but the solder started to wonder if their children were alive. There is so much more to this story, but uh, we definitely wanted to just cover this uh, right now a little bit just because of the time of year that it did happen, and then we'll get more in depth, as, as Lenny said later. The mystery is alive all these years later, but there's definitely doubt that these children died in the fire. Oh, yeah, definite doubt. Like it's The whole story is nuts. It's it is. This is it's a good one. Mm-hmm. It's sad, of course, for, for this family, but on the speculation of what happened yeah. um, to them. There's so it much is. mystery surrounding it, mm-hmm. but I personally don't think they're dead. Yeah. But we'll get into all that. We'll maybe actually, they're listening. Yeah, maybe. But then hopefully they also listen to all the other podcasts about it because this is yeah. this is a pretty popular topic. All right. So murder number two on the second day of Christmas, the murder that's brought to me. <laughs> <laughs> the Covina murders. This one, this one was like, what? Okay, so Covina is a suburb of Los Angeles, California. And it ended up being the scene of a Christmas slaughter in 2008. The killer, Bruce Jeffrey Pardo, showed up uninvited to a Christmas party. He was wearing a festive Santa Claus suit. Pardo opened fire on his ex-wife, Sylvia Ortego Pardo. And that's like a tongue twister. It is. (laughs) And I've, you know, as you're reading this one, I've heard of this one. This one is gruesome. I know. Approximately 25 of her guests, including an eight-year-old girl who had answered the door, were in the line of fire. So he killed nine of the guests at the party and injured three others. And then the victims included his ex-wife, her parents, her two brothers and their wives, her sister, and her nephew. I mean, that, and that's just, you know, that ones that he got that were included in the others that were hit, you know. After shooting into the party, this is where I was like, what kind of sick fuck? But anyway, he... Like, he reaches into his Santa suit and pulls out a wrapped present and unwraps it. It was a homemade flamethrower. Yeah. Like, how stupid. Yeah, he had it hidden inside of his Santa Claus suit. Like, I, I just, this, this guy is nuts. Yep. A clinical psychologist, Dr. Renee Carr, was quoted as saying, because the winter holidays have a strong promotion of being family holidays, Murder during these times is often associated with the killer having recently lost a loved one, having anger toward a rejecting former lover or spouse, or being resentful of a family that appears to have it all. And the same doctor also noted that the psychopathology behind holiday rage and murder is a lack of empathy for human life due to neglect and possibly abuse in their childhood. So in this case, Bruce and Sylvia's divorce was only finalized the week prior to his attack. Okay. So... The police believe that this is what triggered his insane rage. rage that he went and killed all these people. He's like, all right, I'll get you. Right? I mean, I'll use this flamethrower. Right? After I shoot you all, I'm going to also burn you. Mm. But, yeah. So 
Before leaving the scene of the crime, Bruce set the house on fire, and the fire was started using the flamethrower that he had built, and it was fueled with racing fuel. And it took 80 firefighters to extinguish the fire, and most of the victims had to be identified using dental records. Wow. That's how bad. Like, it was just terrible. Police found that Bruce had an escape plan because he had a plane ticket purchased that I guess he had on him or whatever, but he he actually shot himself in the head the next day at his brother's home. Before, Jeez. instead of flying away to escape, he... I guess he couldn't handle... I wonder if he did that in front of him or if he did that like somewhere, like in another room or... In an upstairs bedroom, Yeah, I believe is what the article said. But yeah, he, he decided to kill, commit suicide instead of fessing up to what he'd done and accepting punishment. Mm. Yep. Way to go, douchebag. Way to go. <laughs> All right. Murder number three. On the third day of Christmas, the murder that was brought to me... The Christmas Killings. All right. The Christmas Killings from December 24th to December 26, 1992. One of the worst killing sprees in Dayton, Ohio history happened on this day. Four individuals, 16-year-old Laura Taylor, 19-year-old Demarcus Smith, and 20-year-old Heather Matthews, and 19-year-old Marvelous Keene went on a group killing spree over the course of three days, killing six people and injuring two, which is wild. Mm -hmm. When you all join forces just to go on a killing spree. Yeah, I think they, they coined this with, um, Marvelous Teen Gang or something like that. Really? Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow. The first victim was uh, Joseph Wilkerson. They shot him to death in his home on December 24th, but he wasn't found until December 26th. The next victim was Danita Gillette or Gillette. Sorry if I get that name wrong. Yep. She was shot while standing at a payphone. And then the next victim, Jeffrey Wright, was shot four times while outside of his home, also on December 24th. He survived the attack, though. And then the next victim, Richmond Maddox, is shot once in the head while driving down the street on December 25th. Then the next day, on the on the 26th, three of the murders entered a convenient murderer, excuse me entered a convenience store and shot the clerk, Sarah Abraham, and a customer, Jones Pettis, or Pettis, during that robbery. Sarah died and Jones survived. The final victims weren't found until December 27th. It was a 16-year-old and an 18-year-old, and they were found at the city dumped and were attributed to this massacre. The initial motive for this spree was attributed to robberies, but Marvelous King thought they would snitch on the group, and they killed two of the victims, because they thought that those two victims could implicate them in on the other murders. I speculate the victims found in the city dump were the ones they thought were to implicate them, I guess, right? That's so, what I'm... I, yeah. Yeah, that was actually me. Like, I speculate that the victims are found mm -hmm. that were found in the city dump were, were the ones, yeah, that they thought would implicate them. Wow. I don't know that for sure. For though. sure. Like, nothing said that that's what that was. I couldn't even find their names, to be yeah. honest with you. Hmm. So three of these murders, Laura, Demarcus, and Heather, are all currently serving life sentences, and Marvelous was killed by lethal injection on July 21st in 2009. Fun. Wow. Yeah. What mindset are you on when you team up with people to go kill people? I mean, you have to be on drugs or really all, I mean, you're all in a bad shape. Yeah, you're all messed up. Every single one of you. And, you know, they, they said that this was, um, like, the motive for it was originally robberies, but... How do you switch from I'm going to rob a bunch of stores or people well, to, well, 
you know what? Let's just kill them. Let's just randomly or ra- random people out and about. Yeah, this like the, no one I mean, maybe they're driving gonna, in his car. Yeah, unless yeah, I don't know. Unless you're running up to people once you've shot them and killed them and grabbing their wallet or what have you. But I don't know. But man. But that's not what that said. It it's said brutal. he was driving in his yeah, car. He was yeah, driving. Yeah, dry to be driving in your car. So it's crazy. what were you like? I, I don't even understand that. How oh. is that even possible? It's just nuts. These people are definitely sick. Mm-hmm. So moving on. Murder number four. On the fourth day of Christmas, the murder that was brought to me. A savage Australian bushland murder. I can't I can't sing it in the tune. <laughs> you should have. I was like waiting for that part. <laughs> a savage Australian bushland murder. Oh, you got it. You got it for See? me. I there couldn't you do go. it. I was like, I can't get uh, this to fit in my head right. So <laughs> it's not happening. Besides that, I'm still recovering from this cold that we've had for the me last couple of weeks. Too. And I still sound all stopped up Coughs and clogged. and, yeah, Ugh. stuffy. Sorry, guys. We have been suffering from a cold, but it is not COVID-19. I actually got tested to make sure. Mm-hmm. I'm all negative. It's good. Just a stupid cold. Thanks, seasons. On December 25th, 2013, Danielle Kerr and Darren Lewis took their friend William Stevenson to the bushland north of Bendigo, which I think they said is in Victoria, Australia, or near there. But I don't know for sure. So since I've never been there, I apologize for any errors in the location of this story. Apparently, Danielle had lived with the victim off and on during the year. She was a drug addict, though, so he had kicked her out a few times. Okay. Or or I don't know if... Just it, on and on, off and on, I mean, excuse me, but... I don't know if he kicked her out or if that was noted from another roommate that she had had. But I do know that... She part-time lived with him sometimes. Okay. And that's how they were friends or how they knew each other. But it didn't say that he was on drugs, just that she was, if that makes sense. So it was noted that after a fight on Christmas Day, Danielle and Darren came up with a plan to kill William. They called it something like Kill Bill. Huh. Like like the they use samurai swords? <laughs> no. No, they didn't, but I was like... That would have been kill cool. Kill Bill. <laughs> so, did, yeah. Did, did she wear a yellow jumpsuit? <laughs> didn't know. She, actually, it said she wore a dress. Okay. <laughs> so their plan was that Danielle would kill him and Darren would step in to help if anything went sideways. So I'm guessing that meant that... I got your back, man, if something doesn't go right. Yeah. Well, that or she's a girl and... Bill's a guy. Yeah. And she might be like, oh, maybe I'm going to try killing, but if I can't, can you step in and help me out? That's what I'm assuming. I don't know. Sorry to be anti-feminist on that one, but it's true. Uh, I'm not, yeah, just don't know what the fight was about, though, between Bill and Danielle, though, that caused them to be, like, planning his death. That just, how do you get to that extreme? I fight with people all the time. I'm not, I'm not coming home and planning their, their murder. Yes. Like I'm going to live and let live as long as they let me live. You know, (laughs) I don't know. I don't, I don't know what sets you off in in what world you live in that you have to think I'm going to kill you now. The two of them, Darren and Daniel picked William up from work. So they must've made up at some point or at least gotten to a point where they could be in the same car together or something. But no, they picked him up from work when he was finished for the day and drove toward Bengito, but stopped in the bushland on their way there. And this was where they attacked him. They pulled over 
with the roost that Darren needed to take a leak and Danielle changed her clothes. She put on a dress at this time, which sounded weird to me. I'm like, why are you putting on a dress? But I think maybe it was murder clothes or something. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I gotta look pretty I gotta for gotta this. Look good I for know. this party. <laughs> so she okay. snuck up on him from behind though and beat him in the head with a rock. And then apparently taunted him while while he was pleading for his life. And he tried to stagger away and they that's when she like grabbed a hunting knife and stabbed him in the face and the throat several times. And then Jeez. yeah, at some point during this attack, she was she tells she tells him, I told you I was gonna kill you. Like maybe I told she you. did. Maybe she did. But, but it usually, yeah, I'll kill you. Right? Like this is something that people flippantly say. Right. And it doesn't mean they're actually gonna do it. I know if someone said, I'm gonna kill you and I'm taking them seriously, I'm not getting in the car with you later. You know? Yeah, no. Not gonna happen. No, anyway. So after the knife assault, William tried to get away again, and Danielle and Darren ended up having to chase him in a car. Like they had to jump in the car and chase to, him down uh-huh. into the bush. Maybe he ran a like a, I don't know. I don't know how that works. I don't even know anything about Australia, so I can't even speculate. But they had to get in the car and chase him down. But because of his wounds, he couldn't get away. He literally just collapsed against a tree. Yeah. Like he was done. And Danielle gets out of the car and grabs a tree branch and starts hitting him with it. And he's begging for his life. He's like, please don't, you know, at this point. But she just starts beating him with a tree branch. And once he's dead, they take his body and put it in the trunk of the car. They drove to the Wellsford Forest and set the car on fire. So not only did they brutally murder this man mm-hmm. out in the middle of nowhere for what reason only god knows yeah and then they burn him in a car it just makes no sense yeah this i mean no crime makes sense in my like i've read but none of this the motive wasn't real strong here this is truly messed up drugged out people who are probably out of their minds because of drugs that are just screwing shit up yep but Danielle and Darren were arrested a few days after, and initially they claimed their innocence, but both ended up being convicted of the crime. Danielle is serving a 21-year sentence, and Darren is serving a 10-year sentence. And they said that his was he's serving his 10-year sentence for cooperation or something with the police. Okay. She initially didn't tell the full whole story or tried to blame yeah. him or something, uh, but they they tended to believe more more of what his, he had to say. Yeah. I wonder if Australia, if you do, you know, because here, if you go to prison, it's 21 years. It's not really 21 years, typically, or when they're paroled or able to start being eligible for parole. And, oh, yeah, I don't know how their court you know, systems work. Is it a true 21 years and that's it, or do they get out earlier? I don't know. That's but, a good question. But even that, it's not very long. No. killing somebody. No. No, I they mean, still really. got off pretty easy, yeah, in my opinion. For sure. But. All right, so murder number five. On the fifth day of Christmas, the murder was brought to me. Murder for not liking a Christmas gift. There's supposed to be five golden rings. No. Nope. So like murder for well, not liking <clears throat> a Christmas gift. What was the Christmas gift? <laughs> what was the Christmas gift? It could have been five rings. It could have been. It could have been. But it wasn't. No. <laughs> All right, so not liking a Christmas gift, huh? Well, I'll key you on December 25th. 2013. Just remember before mm-hmm. you get into this, mm-hmm. if you don't like what I got you, ooh, look what's gonna happen. Oh, <laughs> man, y'all heard it. She threatened me. <laughs> All 
All right, so on again, on December 25th, 2013, Melissa Young murdered her neighbor, Alan Williamson, in Edinburgh, England. Melissa was a transgender woman who apparently had troubled childhood and descended into violence, crime, addiction, and religious mania. Yep, she was crazy. Wow. She claimed that she was a possess- was possessed by an archangel that made her stab her friend and neighbor 29 times. I'm telling you, those archangels are so known for that. Yeah, they are. Mm-hmm. And then she allegedly attacked Alan after he rejected her Christmas present of a pair of unisex trainers and a copy of the Sun newspaper's 2014 calendar. Yeah, how dare she get me some tennis shoes and a calendar for Christmas? I don't want it. Yeah. Mm-mm. But nope. whatever reason he rejected it, maybe it's because she's crazy. Yeah. Because look what else, I mean, well, you'll see. So she told the police that if he had just accepted her gift, she wouldn't have stabbed the dude. Yep, I think that's grounds yep. for stabbing someone. I'm I'm sta- you, I wouldn't have stabbed don't. him if he would have just taken my gifts. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I uh, took shoes the time. and a calendar for him, and he I, didn't want it. I took the time to pick some things, and he just said no. And you're going to appreciate it. You, you yeah, know what I'm you saying? There are, you're gone. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. That's Holy right. <laughs> so when police arrived at the scene, they found Melissa and her hands covered in blood, and Alan was lying dead on the floor behind her door. Later, she tried to claim she was possessed and heard voices. I mean, that's what that's what I'd be doing too. I'd claim I was possessed, <laughs> heard voices. And then she tries to claim that she had a major mental health problem, including schizophrenia. Six months prior to her killing Alan, it was learned that she had locked him in her apartment and threatened him with a knife. Well, that explains why I don't want your gifts. Exactly. That's why I was saying, wait, you'll see. Jeez. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not accepting anything from you, <laughs> you nuts, uh, whatever. Yeah. Like, you could just walk she out. She was just trying to make amends. Um, I don't want to make amends with you. Forgive. Forgive. I can forgive you and never see you again. Okay. So. All right. Not forget, though, right? Right. He had been so scared that he jumped from her balcony to escape. It was also learned that she had been smoking heroin on the morning of the murder. Not heroin. It'll get you every time. So it wasn't clear on how long she was sentenced, but I did see that she had to serve, what, was it like 20 years before she'd be eligible Mm -hmm. for parole? So I'm assuming life in prison. That's what I assume, but I don't know anything about the, you know, England's, legal system either. So. Yeah, I don't think they're, they don't stay in too long, it doesn't seem like. I don't know, man. Or as long. We like to put people we, away we for do. life. So. Yeah, we do here, but. <laughs> we like to kill them, too. Anyway. Mm-hmm. All right, murder number six. Yes. <laughs> On the sixth day of Christmas, the murder was brought to me, a Christmas rampage. Hey! <laughs> I tried. All right, I like Christmas rampages. Let's do it. Yeah. So this one, it ends a couple of days after Christmas, but this one is actually really crazy. So I don't know what happened to this guy. I'm just going to preface this to say I have no idea what makes an old man just lose it, but that's what happened here. Okay. On December 22nd, 1987, Ronald Gene Simmons of Arkansas shot and strangled his wife, two sons, and four daughters. He then sat in the house with the dead bodies for four days, only leaving to go to a local bar. On the day after Christmas, Boxing Day, December 26th, nine family members showed up, including some of his grandchildren, to visit 
And he killed them all shortly after they arrived. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Killed all of them shortly after they got there. Maybe I'm speculating. Well, I mean, he is crazy, and they weren't his last victims, but maybe because they showed up unannounced or something, and he had all these other bodies laying around. I don't know. And I don't know that they were unannounced. Maybe he planned it. Maybe he's like, yeah, come on over. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't know. Yeah. But he killed them all. And then on December 28th, he walked into a law firm and shot and killed the receptionist there. Apparently, he'd been infatuated with her, and she had reportedly rejected him in the past. So he went and killed her. All right. He then went to an oil company office and shot two executives, killing one and injuring the other. And then... He drove to a convenience store that he had worked at before and shot two more people, but they both survived. The last place he went was the Woodline Motor Freight Company where he shot and wounded a woman. All total, he killed 16 people and injured four. Jeez. Yeah. He, he was just like, I'm done with this. He totally just lost it. Whatever yeah. happened, like, he was done. So... After he after the last shooting, he sat down and waited for the police to come and arrest him. Simmons pled guilty and was sentenced to death. And the governor of Arkansas at the time was Bill Clinton, and he signed Simmons' ex- execution order. Jeez. <laughs> I know. What makes you kill basically all your family? Yeah. Just I don't know. That's, that's wild. Done, I would you know? say Bill Clinton should have just kept him alive and used him to kill people for him since they're so famous for that supposedly great (laughs) way to put us on that list babe oh whoops sorry bill (laughs) i'd be more worried about hillary than bill i think yep same wow (laughs) yeah so that concludes the part one of our 12 murders before christmas episodes all right so next week we're gonna bring you six Fabulous more murders. Heck yeah. Get you in that Christmas spirit. <laughs> what? Heck yeah. Joy to the world. All right. So as a tip for future reference, stay away from crazy people. Don't refuse <laughs> gifts. Don't have Christmas parties at your own home if you just recently got divorced. And don't go on a random killing spree. Yeah. You know, just just some, yeah. you know, helpful some hints aff- there. Yeah. Little tips. Alcohol helps you to not be crazy. Yeah. And, well... Not everyone, well, I guess. Yeah. Not everyone. All right. My bad. And just a little bitty drink of something, and then you stop. But yeah. typically, mm-hmm. when those things happen, they've had a lot more than that. Maybe you should just, if you're having weird, crazy thoughts of killing people, just go get help. Yeah. So stay safe. <laughs> Be kind. Spread love. If you right. want to share some crazy Christmas stories, please email us um, at wickedness, true crime, and the unknown at yahoo.com. We would love to hear them. And also check out our website at Wickedness True Crime and theunknown.com and follow us on Instagram at Wickedness True Crime. And support us if you want to at anchor.fm slash wickedness and click on the support button or just listen to us on anchor at anchor.fm slash wickedness. Until next week, when you come and listen to six more of these fabulous Christmas murders, <laughs> stay safe and stay friendly. Bye. Merry Christmas. <laughs>